During the Friday sermons these days, I have been mentioning the excellences and beauties of the Holy Quran. Whilst mentioning its excellences and beauties, the promised Messiah said that the Holy Quran is a perfect book. Elaborating further on this, the promised Messiah says at one place, I tell you truthfully that the Holy Quran is such a complete and comprehensive book that no other book can match it. Giving an example, the promised Messiah says, Is there any verse of the Vedas that can match the verse It is a guidance for the righteous. If verbal confessions are to be considered, that is, if one is to overlook the fruits and results, then the entire world acknowledges God in one way or another and also views one's devotion, worship, almsgiving and virtuous deeds as something positive. Moreover, it also acts upon these teachings in one way or another. In that case, what did the Vedas give to the world? He was replying to Hindus up to this point. You should either prove that those nations that do not follow the Vedas are void of virtuous deeds or present an outstanding sign. The Promised Messiah says, At the very outset of the Holy Quran, those advancements have been promised which the soul naturally desires. In Surah Al-Fatiha, Ihdina Siratul Mustaqim, meaning guide us to the straight path, has been taught. And we have been told to pray by saying, O oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Allah the Almighty taught us this prayer and along with teaching us this prayer for seeking guidance, it also contained a promise that I will guide you in the straight path. The Promise of Islam further says, the straight path of those on whom you have bestowed your favours. Along with this prayer, the following glad tidings have been given in the very first verse of Surah Al-Baqarah. Meaning that this is a perfect book, there is no doubt in it, and it is a guidance for the righteous. 
Along with teaching a prayer for seeking guidance, a code of conduct for its attainment has also been presented that if one acts in accordance with this book, they will be guided like the righteous are. In other words, the soul supplicates and the acceptance of that prayer manifests itself simultaneously. And the promise of the acceptance of prayer is fulfilled in the form of the revelation of the Holy Quran. On the one hand, there is prayer, and on the other hand is its result. This is the favor and grace of God Almighty upon us, but it is unfortunate that the world is unaware and ignorant to it and is being destroyed because it has distanced itself from it. Following this, the Promised Messiah says, I say once again that the characteristics of the righteous have been outlined by God in the beginning of the Holy Quran are counted as ordinary characteristics. However, when a person believes in the Quran and makes it their source of guidance, they attain those lofty stations and ranks of the righteous which have been stated in the clause Hudallil Muttaqeen, i.e. it is a guidance for the righteous. Contemplating over this purpose of the Holy Quran grants one such pleasure that it is not possible to put in words. The reason for this is that because of this one becomes aware of the special favours of God Almighty and the perfection of the Holy Quran. Elaborating on the teachings of the Holy Quran being perfect, the Promised Messiah says, The conditions and need of the time is also a proof for the necessity of the advent of the Holy Prophet and the ultimate outcome of it has been stated in Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum meaning today I perfected for you your religion i.e. the timing and conditions of the world was a proof of the advent of the Holy Prophet because there was a need at the time so the result of the advent and how the teachings were completed was stated in Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum The Promise of Islam states Hence, this is the second chapter in the book of prophethood, as it were. Perfection does not simply mean that all the chapters were revealed. Rather, it also refers to the perfection of the self and the purification of the heart. Though the Holy Quran was revealed and the teachings were given in book form, this is not what is meant by perfection. Rather, perfection means that all the prerequisites of purifying one's soul are contained within it. Those who acted upon it made them into complete beings. It purified the heart and cleansed it. The Promise of Islam further states, The Holy Quran transformed man from an animal-like state into humans, then after this into intelligent and moral humans, and then transformed them into God-fearing humans, and purified the soul and elevated them in the perfection and taming of the self. It also taught humanity the highest stages of becoming civilized, and taught the highest stages of purification of the self and elevated them to this rank. And in this way, it also completed and perfected the Book of Allah. The Islam further says, To the extent that there is no truth or fact that is not found within the Holy Quran, I have said to Agnihotri many times, he was the founder of a religious group of the Hindus. He was first in a sect, then he started his own sect 
or started his own religious group. Nonetheless, there was much debate happening between him and the Prophet Islam. The Prophet states, I said to him many times, Tell me any truth which is not present in the Holy Quran, but he was not able to do so. I have been studying the Bible for a long time. The words that the Christians are proud of, all such truths are preserved and presented with even more perfection within the Holy Quran. But how unfortunate it is that Muslims do not pay attention to this. They do not even ponder over the Holy Quran, nor is there any awe in their hearts for it. Otherwise, this fact alone is reason enough for being proud of the Holy Quran and that there is no comparison with anything else. He further states, Thus the verse, Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum, has two aspects to it. Firstly, that it has purified you, i.e. it has cleansed man. Secondly, it completed the book. He revealed the complete law and code of ethics. It is said that when this verse was revealed, it was a Friday. A Jewish man said to Hazrat Umar anhu that you should have celebrated a day of Eid at the revelation of this verse, i.e. it is such a perfect and awe-inspiring verse that Eid should have been celebrated on that day out of happiness. This is what the Jew said to Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar said that Friday is already an Eid day. The verse was revealed on a Friday, so Friday is already Eid. But many people are unaware of this Eid. On the other Eid days, people change their outfits, but they are heedless of this Eid, and they come in dirty and tattered clothing. Hazrat Umar is also elucidating the importance of the Friday prayer and how important it is to offer the Friday prayers. He said, In my opinion, this Eid is greater than the other Eids, meaning that there should be a special care and preparation to offer the Friday prayers. One should not simply offer the Eid prayer every year. For this Eid, there is Surah Al-Jumu'ah, and it was for this reason that the Eid prayer is shortened. And it was on a Friday, at the time of Asr, that Prophet Adam was born. And this Eid is also a proof of this age, that the first man was born on this Eid day, and the completion of the Holy Quran happened on this day also. Then explaining the idea that the Holy Quran is a true judge of Hadith, the Prophet Islam states, Another error which exists among a vast majority of Muslims is that they give precedence to the Ahadith over the Holy Qur'an, while it is wrong to do so. The Holy Qur'an possesses a rank of certainty, while the Hadith possess an element of conjecture. I.e. the teachings of the Holy Qur'an is a definitive teaching. We cannot call the Ahadith definitive. Many narrations were collected later on. The Hadith are not a judge over the Holy Qur'an, Rather, it is the Holy Qur'an that stands as an authority over the Hadith. It is the Holy Qur'an that will pass verdict. Nevertheless, the Hadith are an exposition of the Holy Qur'an. There are many Hadith from which we can find explanations of a verse and ought to be given their due rank. It is incumbent to believe in a Hadith so long as it accords with and does not oppose the Holy Qur'an. However, 
If a hadith contradicts the Holy Quran, then such a statement is no hadith at all, but is rather a worthless statement. Nevertheless, the hadith are important in order to understand the Holy Quran. But we should also remember that there are many narrations among the hadith from which verses of the Quran are elucidated. This is why there are some narrations of the early companions. For this reason, we should try to understand it. But we should be cautious that a hadith is not contradictory to the Holy Quran. For the divine commandments revealed in the Holy Quran were first put into practice by the Holy Prophet and then practiced by others under his instruction. In this manner, the Holy Prophet set an example. If this example had not existed, Islam could never have been understood. Still, the primary source remains the Holy Quran. Some who experience visions learn certain ahadith directly from the Holy Prophet and others do not know about them or they are able to confirm the authenticity of a hadith that is already present. The Promised Messiah has also written about himself that he directly heard some ahadith from the Holy Prophet himself. Then mentioning the eloquence of the Qur'an, the Promised Messiah states, Its style is profoundly eloquent, balanced, delicate, soft, and awe-inspiring. Even if a zealous critic and staunch opponent of Islam, who is also well-versed in Arabic writing and composition, were categorically commanded by a ruler having full authority to produce the like of the Holy Quran in, say, 20 years, which amounts to a lifetime of effort, under the penalty of death, he will fail to do so. Nay, even if he is told to take just a few lines from the Qur'an and try to match or excel them in such a way that this text should not only compromise all the truths and verities contained in the relevant portion of the Qur'an, but should also be equally eloquent, even then, in spite of his undying enmity, fear of being disgraced as well of death, he can never have the power to produce anything like it. Even if he were to summon to his aid hundreds of linguists and writers from around the world. On the one side, he will be fearful. Even when told by the judge that he has 20 years to produce something equal to the Quran or even a few verses or lines, he will be incapable of doing so. This is the excellence of the Holy Quran and of its eloquence. The Prophet Islam states, This is no imaginary supposition or fanciful thought. Rather, ever since the Holy Quran was revealed, this challenge has been presented to the world of producing something like thereof. Even today, some enemies of Islam attempt to produce something equal to it. Every day, someone causes mischief and claims they will produce something like it. Yet, they always fail to get anywhere near the eloquence and articulacy of the Quran and all that remains are mere claims. The Promise of Islam states, In respect of eloquency and articulacy, it is impossible to match it. If the sequence of the verses in Surah Al-Fatiha, for example, were altered, the superlative meanings and lofty objectives in the current sequence could never be expressed in any other manner. 
Take any chapter of the Holy Qur'an, even if it is Surah Al-Ikhlas. The insights and verities that have been expounded in the Holy Qur'an in such an exquisite and subtle manner cannot be matched by anyone. This too is a miracle of the Qur'an. I am astonished when certain ignorant people in their attempt to attack the unparalleled nature of the Holy Qur'an assert that Maqamate Haridi and Sab'a Malakat, these are two books, are matchless and peerless. They think that these are very lofty books and are matchless. They do not even understand that the author of Haridi has never claimed that his work is unequalled. And further, even he himself was convinced of the miraculous eloquent nature of the Qur'an. Such critics disregard the truth and virtue present in the Holy Qur'an and give preference to mere words. Books of this nature are devoid of truth and wisdom. The excellence and grounds for a miracle is that it takes every aspect into consideration. It ought to maintain eloquence and articulacy, but preserve truth and wisdom as well. This miracle is specific to the Holy Qur'an alone, i.e. it possesses eloquence, articulacy, truth and wisdom, which shines like the sun and which possesses a miraculous power in every sense. The Prophet Islam then states, In an attempt to challenge the miraculous nature of the Holy Qur'an in respect to its eloquence and articulacy, Reverend Fander once presented various passages of Hariri, Abul Fazl and some English books. This was quite a while ago. Even then, I thought to myself that he was being deceptive. Firstly, none of these writers have ever claimed that their words are unparalleled. In fact, they have always admitted their own inability and praised the Holy Qur'an. Secondly, in the works of such authors, meaning is always subordinated to the choice of words. They are nothing but words joined together. For the purpose of rhyme, a writer looks for one word to complement the other, and wisdom and meaning is ignored in the text. However, the Holy Qur'an ensures that the truth and wisdom are never compromised. There is truth therein as well as wisdom. It is not merely a joining of words. Beauty is not produced from this. The fact of the matter is that to state words of truth and wisdom and also maintain rhyme in such words is a feat that is possibly only through divine succor. The true essence is that there be truth and wisdom whilst adhering to the correct rhyming. Only then can one understand it is from divine support. Otherwise, the words of human beings are like the examples we see in the works of Hariri and others. The Prophet Islam once further expounded upon this in a gathering. In this gathering, it was mentioned that in Tafsir Ijaz al Masih, it is mentioned that God has not given anyone the ability to challenge the Holy Quran. This exegesis was being discussed. Upon this, the Prophet Islam stated while sat in this gathering There are two views with regards to the Holy Quran being a miracle. The first is that God Almighty rendered the opponents powerless. In other words, they did not have the ability at the time in order to challenge the Holy Qur'an. 
The second view, which is correct, true and authentic, and we also hold the same view, is that the opponents themselves were powerless in order to offer any challenge. The fact is that their knowledge and intellect had been seized from them. The miracle of the Holy Qur'an can be understood in light of our exegesis of the Qur'an. There are thousands of opponents present at this time who are deemed as great scholars and even in the public announcements that were issued, such words were used in order to rouse their sense of honour. Yet despite this, there was not a single one of them who could challenge this sign. Thus, we ought to read the literature of the Prophet in light of this perspective as well, so that we understand the Holy Qur'an. On another occasion, the Prophet states, God Almighty has made the Holy Qur'an a miracle and that it is with respect to His extraordinary moral teachings, the principles it sets forth for establishing a civilization, its eloquence and articulously. There is no one who can challenge this. Likewise, its knowledge of the unseen and prophecies are also a miracle. In this era, no master magician can ever make such a claim. It is filled with eloquence and articulacy and also contains knowledge of the unseen and prophecies. A magician cannot produce such a thing nor make a claim of this kind. Similarly, Allah the Almighty has granted a clear distinction to my signs so that no one can have any excuse. And God Almighty has clearly manifested His signs which are free of any kind of doubt or misgiving. Then in relation to the eloquence of the Holy Qur'an, the Prophet Islam states, The eloquence and articulacy of human beings is subject to vocabulary and possesses nothing more than rhymes. For example, an Arab has written, Safartu ila Rum wa ana ala jamalim ma'atum meaning I set out for Rome and set out I did on a camel whose bowels were closed. It is obvious that these words at the end have only been employed for the purpose of rhyme. It is a miracle of the Holy Quran, however, that all of its words have been strung like pearls and placed precisely where they belong in such a manner that not a single word can be moved from one place and put somewhere else or replaced with another word more apt. And despite all this, it contains all the necessary elements of rhyme, eloquence and articulacy. Then on another occasion, whilst expounding upon the beauty of the Qur'an's eloquence and articulacy, the Prophet stated in the gathering, all of the signs and miracles which are being manifested here, in fact, are the miracles and signs of the Holy Prophet And likewise, these prophecies are in fact the prophecies of the Holy Qur'an. This is because these are all the blessings owing to my subservience to the Holy Prophet and the teachings of the Holy Qur'an. At this present time, there is no other religion whose followers and adherents can claim that they can make prophecies or that miracles are demonstrated through him. Thus, in this respect, the miraculous nature of the Holy Qur'an is far superior than any other scripture. The miracles of the Prophet are in fact owing to the Holy Qur'an and due to his subservience to the Holy Prophet. The Promise of Sire further states, Another aspect of its eloquence and articulacy is that it is of the highest degree and so perfect that even the opponents who possess a fair mind have had to acknowledge this fact. I.e. then produce a chapter like it.
However, till this day, no one has been able to produce a like thereof. This is the challenge of the Holy Quran to bring forth any chapter like thereof. The Arabs spoke with great eloquence and articulacy, and they would hold large gatherings on special occasions and recite their poetry before them. Even they were unable to meet this challenge. Furthermore, the eloquence and articulacy of the Holy Quran is not simply that one should focus upon its flow of words and ignore the meaning. In fact, just as its words have been placed in an extraordinary sequence, so too does it contain great verities and insights. It is not possible for any human to convey such truths and verities and at the same time also take into consideration its eloquence and articulacy. The Promised Messiah then stated, In one place, Allah the Almighty states, Yatlu suhufan mutahara Fiha kutubun qayyima that is, he recites unto them the pure scriptures which contain truths and verities. Those who hold expertise in the art of writing know that whilst writing it is very difficult to also be considerate of imparting a holy teaching and high morals. Moreover, it is such an effective and captivating teaching which removes one's base morals and instills excellent morals in its place. The condition of the Arabs is not hidden from anyone. They had become an embodiment of all the ills and evils and had been in a deteriorated state for centuries. However, the grace and blessings of the Holy Prophet were so powerful that the entire condition of the country transformed in a period of just 30 years. It was indeed the impact of this teaching. The Promised Messiah further states, If one takes even the shortest of chapters of the Holy Quran, they will find that not only does it contain a high degree of eloquence and articulacy, but it is also filled with the unique qualities of his teachings and wondrous signs. Take the example of Surah Al-Ikhlas. It has mentioned all the various aspects of Tawheed, i.e. the unity of God. It is a short chapter, yet it contains the entire subject of Tawheed and rejected every form of shirk. Similarly, take the example of Surah Al-Fatiha. How miraculous is it? It is a short chapter which only contains seven verses. However, it contains the gist and essence and exposition of the entire Holy Quran. Furthermore, it mentions the existence of God, His attributes, the need for prayer, the means of His acceptance, the best method of attaining benefit through one's supplication, how to avoid those paths which can lead to harm, and also the rebuttal of all the false teachings in all the religions of the world. All of this has been mentioned in this short chapter, Surah Al-Fatiha. If one observes the other scriptures and the followers of other faiths, they will find that they mention the ills and flaws of other religions and level criticism against its teachings. However, what the follower of other religions fail to do is to present a superior teaching in place of the teachings which they level criticism against. They may claim to protect one from a particular ill. However, they do not present a superior teaching in its place. This is not found in any religion, and this honor belongs to the Holy Quran alone. Where the Holy Quran rejects and highlights the false teachings of other religions, it also presents the true and pure teaching as well. This is such an exquisiteness which even the so-called intellectuals cannot even deny. 
I have observed on many occasions that when a solution to a particular issue in light of the Holy Quran is presented before the non-Muslims, they acknowledge it. Whilst mentioning the qualities of the Holy Quran, the Promised Messiah states, The Quran is a book that is easy to understand. Some foolish people claim that they cannot understand the Holy Quran. Therefore, there is no need to pay attention towards it, as it is very difficult. This is a mistake on their part. They have found an excuse that since it is very difficult, therefore there is no need to pay much attention to it, and reading it once is enough. The Promise of Zayl Islam states, The Holy Quran has explained the beliefs in such an eloquent manner that it is unmatched and peerless, and its arguments leave an impression upon the hearts. As far as the matters related to the beliefs are concerned, the Holy Quran has clearly expounded upon them. The Prophet Islam further states, The Quran is so eloquent and articulate that even the Bedouins of Arabia, who were completely illiterate, were able to understand it. Therefore, how can people today not understand it? They were illiterate people who lived away from the city and were completely ignorant. In fact, they were even worse than humans and were later transformed into godly people. Therefore, if they were able to understand the Holy Quran, then how is it that these people fail to understand it, a majority of whom are educated? The Promised Messiah says, Straightforward, true and simple logic is what is present in the Holy Quran. There is no complexity in it. It is a straight path that God has taught us. One should study the Quran carefully and make note of the do's and don'ts discreetly and act upon them. And just by doing this, he will get to please his God. It is a simple process. One ought to act on all the commands that have been ordained and refrain from those things which have been forbidden. Through this, God will be pleased. As for the phraseology coined by the philosophers and Sufis, they mostly become cause for the people to stumble because they embody ambiguities and intricacies. One should not follow the philosophers and the mystics because they have mentioned certain terminologies and presented the teachings of the Holy Quran in such a difficult manner that it becomes a source for people to stumble. Thus, if people in the world face any difficulties, then it is owing to philosophers, mystics, or so-called scholars. The Promised Messiah states, A venerable person has written, I believe in good faith, with some good intention, despite his statement being incorrect, that Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani was not a perfect saint, as his nazul, i.e. descent, was not complete. He only had sa'ud, i.e. ascent. I.e. refers to his ascent and connection with Allah the Almighty, saying that he did not receive divine revelation, but his prayers were accepted. And that is why he showed many miracles. Had his nuzul been perfect, he would have not shown any miracle. This is what the person stated. The extent to which this statement contradicts the Holy Quran is quite obvious. This statement is totally against the Holy Quran and the Hadith. The truth is that Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani was from among the perfect servants of God. If one were to criticize him for his miracles, then this criticism would extend to all prophets. However, 
it should be remembered that some people, some of their followers have mentioned greatly exaggerated accounts about miracles they've demonstrated. These things are wrong. Indeed, they demonstrated those miracles which are in line with the law of nature and the Islamic Sharia. These are demonstrated by prophets and that is what they performed as well. The promised Messiah states that all this is a result of people following the erroneous terminologies of the mystics, which have no basis in the Qur'an nor the Hadith. One sect does not believe it at all, whereas on the other hand, another sect exaggerates to such an extent that they exceed all bounds. As for those who do not accept, it is due to the mystics. And those who do, do accept, they make their own erroneous interpretations. For this reason, we must always deliberate and analyze them in light of the law of nature and Sharia, as well as the miracles performed by the Prophets. Nobody can demonstrate a miracle greater than that shown by the Prophets. The Holy Qur'an presents God in His true form. In this regard, the Promised Messiah states, Thank God that the Qur'an has not presented a God of such imperfect attributes, who is neither the owner of the souls nor of particles, neither can he give them salvation, nor can he accept repentance of anyone. According to the Holy Qur'an, we belong to a God who is our Creator, our Master, our Sustainer. He is most gracious, He is most merciful, and He is the Master of the Day of Judgment. It is an occasion for the believers to be grateful that He has granted us the book that reveals His true attributes. This is a great blessing of God Almighty. God willing, I shall narrate further extracts on the Promise of Islam's wisdom and understanding related to the station and rank of the Holy Qur'an and will conclude this for now. May Allah the Almighty enable us to understand these teachings and to act upon them. May He enable us to read and understand the Qur'an. I will now mention about some deceased members, including a member who was martyred in Bangladesh and lead their funeral prayers in absentia. As we all know, last Friday, the Jalsa Salana was taking place in Bangladesh when rioters and terrorists attacked. Initially, the police had reassured the organizers that they would maintain order and that nothing would happen and said we could go ahead with our jalsa. However, when the rioters came, the police stood by as mere spectators to the extent that only after several hours had elapsed and they received orders from the superiors did they take action. However, by then a lot had already happened. Nonetheless, in this disorder, one of our young brothers Zayed Hassan Sahib, son of Abu Bakr Sahib of Bangladesh, was martyred. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. National President Abdul Abul Sahib writes, Zahid Hassan Sahib was martyred on 3rd of March during the Jalsa which was taking place in Amanagar, Panjagar district whilst he was on duty 
at the gate of the premises owing to an attack by the opponents. At the time of his martyrdom, he was 25 years old. Verily, to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. The deceased pledged allegiance in 2019. After just three months, he requested to join the al Wasiyat scheme. His family followed the Ahl Hadith sect. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, the late martyr began preaching to his parents, as a result of which they had the fortune of pledging allegiance in 2020. After pledging allegiance, the late martyr would write letters to me regularly. The reason for his conversion was that one of his fellow students, Muhammad Rifat Hassan, who was studying for a BSc in Science and Technology in the Bandra University of Science, Bogra, began preaching to him about Ahmadiyyat. When he understood the truthfulness of Ahmadiyyat after two years of preaching, he pledged allegiance. Awal Sahib writes, Since the start of the Jalsa, the clerics and their accomplices had surrounded the Jalsa premise and began attacking the walls and the western gate. Aside from throwing stones, they would use any local weapon they could get their hands on, such as axes and stakes, and they set fire to whatever they could. Khudam carried out their duties with immense bravery. Nobody was outside of the premise except those on duty. Everyone, including the Khudam, were protecting the premises from the inside. He further says, One hour and 45 minutes after the Jalsa had begun, the opponents managed to break one part of the wall. It was at that time the Khudam were instructed to ensure the safety of the Jalsa site at all costs. At the time, Zayed Hassan, the late martyr, was stationed at gate number one. Along with his fellow Khudam, he bravely and quickly made his way to stop the people who had entered and were heading towards the Jalsa Gah. During this time, he became separated from his comrades and so the attackers used this opportunity to strike him. They struck him in the back of the head with an axe or some other sharp weapon and dragged him for some distance. They mercilessly and brutally attacked his face, body and other parts, thus proving their inhumanity. The deceased martyr Zayed Hassan was so mercilessly killed that it took two hours to identify him. This is the state of these Muslims. They have exceeded all bounds in cruelty and barbarity in the name of Allah and His Messenger. During times of war, the Holy Prophet forbade mutilating even the enemy and disbelievers. Yet, these people carry out such actions against those who proclaim their belief in Allah and His Messenger. It is Allah alone who can seize them and reduce them to dust. They say that the assailants also snatched his identity card from his chest. But since he was wearing the Khudam al-Ahmadiyya duty uniform, they were able to identify him. When his body was finally retrieved, his funeral prayer was offered after the Tahajjud and Fajr prayers. 
Thousands of Ahmadis from around the country who had gathered for the convention participated in the funeral. During the funeral prayer, a condition like no other overcame everyone and everyone was extremely emotional as they wept before God Almighty. According to the law, a post-mortem exam was done on his body, after which an envoy departed in the afternoon with his body in an ambulance towards his ancestral village, where he was buried at 10 p.m. The deceased martyr's closest friend, Rifat Hassan, says that he befriended him during this time studying in university. He was naturally very kind. However, he was not very inclined towards worship. But after accepting Ahmadiyyat, he completely changed and he became regular in offering prayers in congregation. He was an extremely humble and meek young man. He says, I have never seen him speak in a loud tone in five years. His auspiciousness can be gleaned from the fact that a few months after accepting Ahmadiyyat, he had the honor of doing his wasiyat. He says, Zaid Hassan, the martyr, was an active member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association. Before his martyrdom, he had been serving as the regional motamid for Dhaka and Barishal, and he was also the Zaim for the Motijil area. The guide and Motamin Mukami of the same area, Zahul Islam Sahib, says, he was regular in the auxiliary's work and he was very obedient to his seniors. He would happily fulfill whatever duty he was assigned. He would always be the first to convey the greetings of Salaam and he would always be smiling. He says, about a year or a little more than a year ago, he obtained his BSc, after which he began doing service in a company. If ever he had to leave Dhaka for his service, he would find an opportunity to visit the nearby Jamaats. On his personal Facebook account, his profile was the translation of the verse Sharif Ahmed Sahib, a missionary, says, I was posted in the Tabari Jamaat when his friend Rifat Hussain brought the martyr as a tabli contact and he expressed his desire to pledge allegiance. I told him that he should take some more time and investigate thoroughly. He replied, Although I already attest to the truthfulness of this community, I will do as you say and come back to pledge allegiance later. Hence the deceased came back again, or perhaps it was a time after, and pledged allegiance. The missionary says that after performing the bayt, the deceased made every effort in order to understand Ahmadiyyat and the system of Khilafat. He acquired knowledge in great depth. As I mentioned earlier, he would also write to me as well. In his last letter, which he wrote to me, which was just before leaving for the Jalsa, he mentioned, we are traveling to Jalsa by train, and the enemy has a very dangerous plan. In some places they have also lit fires. Nevertheless, we shall, God willing, conduct the Jalsa. He then expressed his faith. He also expressed his desire that his relatives and members of his village also accept Ahmadiyyat and for his entire village to enter the fold of Ahmadiyyat. This was his last letter which he wrote to me. Akhadim mentioned, the deceased martyr was such a humble worker that whenever someone assigned him some work, 
he never refused. In a light-hearted manner, I would often say, Brother Zahid, if we continue to work like this, we shall come to an end. Upon hearing this, he would always laugh. The deceased was also a Musi. I once asked him why he entered the scheme of Wasiyat so quickly. Upon this he said, The Imam Mahdi is true, and whatever he said was also true. The Promised Messiah instructed the members to do Wasiyat, therefore I did Wasiyat. Upon hearing his response, I was left astounded at how strong his belief was in the Promised Messiah. He further states, Once the deceased martyr was asked about the primary factor which led to his birth. To this he said that until now, no one who had claimed to be the Imam Mahdi, Messiah or a Prophet has ever succeeded and nor has any community. It was only Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian who succeeded. If the Promised Messiah was not truthful, then his fate would have been like the other false claimants. As mentioned earlier, the deceased martyr's parents are still alive and by the grace of Allah the Almighty are Ahmadis. The deceased martyr was their only son and was not married yet. He has two sisters, both of whom are married. However, they are non-Ahmadi and are still being preached to. May Allah the Almighty grant patience and steadfastness to his parents. As I said, he was their only son and so it is an immense sense of grief for them. One can only overcome this grief through the grace of Allah the Almighty. May Allah the Almighty also elevate the station of the deceased martyr. Nonetheless, he has acquired a life of eternity in accordance with the instructions of Allah the Almighty. May Allah the Almighty bestow his special favours upon him and may he quickly seize the perpetrators of this cruelty. The enemy thinks that by making the Jamaat members undergo these trials, and through these harsh measures, they will make them lose courage. However, it is the total opposite. I have received letters from Bangladesh and from the youth that if further martyrdoms are required, then pray that we are also among them. Thus, the wretched enemy cannot do any harm against such people. In any case, we ought to pray that Allah the Almighty protect us from the evil ploys and bestow His mercy and grace upon us. Pay particular attention towards prayers these days. The second funeral I wish to mention is of Kamal Bada Sahib of Algeria, who passed away on 2nd February at the age of 57. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. The president of the community, Abdul Halim Sahib, writes, The deceased was a true believer and a sincere Ahmadi. He always kept his home open for the community's events, prayers and activities for propagating the message. All Ahmadis attest to the strength of his faith, hospitality and open-heartedness. The deceased is survived by his wife and three children, two sons who are not Ahmadis and a daughter who is an Ahmadi. His wife, respected Karima Sahiba, has previously served as the president of the Women's Auxiliary Organization. Hassan Zamuli Sahib of Algeria says, Kamal Badar Sahib was a very sincere Ahmadi who rendered great services. Despite facing difficulties from his neighbours, he kept his home open for prayers until the very end. Sometimes he would even cook food himself for those coming to offer the Friday prayers. He would participate in various humanitarian works as well as donating blood. 
different events would also be held at his house, as well as the Eid prayers. The deceased was also part of a delegation on behalf of the Jamaat which went to meet the government. The deceased used to say, We are writing the history of this community due to the difficulties we are facing in Algeria. Now the deceased himself has become part of this very history. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy. The next funeral is of Dr. Shamim Malik Sahiba, who is the wife of respected Maksud Ahmed Malik Sahib, who was martyred at Darul Zikr Lahore in 2010. Sometime after her husband's martyrdom, she moved to Canada, which is where she passed away. The deceased attained her PhD. She taught as a college professor. She continued to climb the ranks until she became the head of department. However, at the same time, she carried out her responsibilities at home and raised her children in an excellent manner. Without any discrimination, she was hospitable with an open heart to all different types of people. She tended to the needy and gave sound advice. She always preached the message to non-Ahmadis, including non-Ahmadi relatives. She would study the books of the Promised Messiah During her lifetime, a thesis was written about her at Punjab University. Usually a thesis is written after someone has passed away, but this one was written in her lifetime. She had a profound passion for education. She taught the Holy Quran to many. She was regular in fasting, offering prayers and reciting the Holy Quran. She was also regular in offering the Tahajjud prayers. She always adhered to the tenets of Islam and observed the veil. She was sincere and loyal. She had a special love for Khilafat. The deceased was a Musia and is survived by a son and four daughters. She was the sister of Malik Tahiram al-Sahib, Amir Jamaat Lahore. May Allah the Almighty grant her forgiveness and mercy, enable her children and progeny to always remain attached with Khilafat and the Jamaat. The next mention is of Farhad Ahmed, son of Irshad Ahmed Amini Sahib of Germany. He recently passed away at the age of 26. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. The young man was studying at Frankfurt University. He was part of the blessed scheme of Akfinor. Prior to his demise, he had the opportunity of serving the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association at the local and regional level. He was a very virtuous, positive, obedient and sociable young man. He was always ready to serve the community and its auxiliaries. Just a day before his passing, he spent all day and then went late into the night serving at an event of the Jamaat. The next morning, after offering Fajr in the mosque, he participated in a meeting of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association. After the meeting, he set out to return home. When he reached his car, he began feeling unwell. The missionary saw him from the window of the mission house and went to help him. In the meantime, he was able to sit in his car. However, his health greatly deteriorated. Doctors later confirmed that he had a severe heart attack. The ambulance arrived in a matter of three to four minutes and administered first aid and tried for about 45 minutes. However, God Almighty's decree prevailed and he passed away. Farhad Ahmed was his parents' only son. May Allah the Almighty grant his parents patience and forbearance. 
grant him forgiveness and mercy and elevate his station. The next funeral is of Javed Ahmed Bismil Sahib, who was residing in Canada. He passed away at the age of 72 after enduring an extended illness. He served for about 20 to 25 years as the manager of Tahrik Jadid grounds. He then also had the opportunity of serving the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association along with other services to the community. He also had the opportunity to serve as the Emir of District Umar Court. He is survived by his wife, four sons and two daughters. His son, Tahir Ahmed Sahib, says, My father possessed many great qualities. He was a servant of the faith, beneficial to others, had a deep love for Khilafat, and he always strove to establish a unique relationship with Khilafat. He took great care of the poor. Whenever he went back, since he was a landowner and had property in Sindh, he would take gifts and clothes for his poor farmers, which they could use for their weddings, etc. He says he was very hospitable and there would be guests at our home every day whom we would tend to with simplicity. Allah the Almighty also made him very brave. He always kept the pride and honour of the community at the forefront whenever faced with opposition. He bravely followed the community in various legal matters. It was due to this that the opponents attacked him twice. However, Allah the Almighty saved him. He worked tirelessly and he always carefully regarded the wealth of the community. He had a great deal of trust in Allah the Almighty. He was a simple person and his greatest quality was that in his final illness, which extended for a long time, he endured it with great patience and remained content upon the will of Allah the Almighty. He says a day before his demise, his doctor said, that never before had he seen such patience in a person. He never complained. When he was informed that the doctors had deemed him to be incurable, he was somewhat conscious. He could not speak, but he could hear. He took this news very calmly and accepted it. His son says he had a passion for offering tahajjud and the remembrance of Allah, and his first prayer was always for the Khalifa. He would always encourage us to pray as well. He was very perceptive and intelligent. He was extremely grateful and would endure strained and difficult circumstances with a smile. He had a pure heart. Then his son writes, He was an excellent teacher and a kind father. He would fulfill all of our desires and was an excellent consultant. He had a strong character. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, his children are well attached with the community. I have also known him for a long time. The qualities which his son has mentioned and others have also written about him, I have seen for myself that he indeed possesses all of these great qualities. May Allah the Almighty grant him forgiveness and mercy.